0: sit comfortably. Well, it's good to see the dodo looking fuller again. <laughs> Looks like old times. Um, the way into this talk tonight, um, there was a conversation a few of us had um, last Friday after sitting. Um, we had coffee together. I think it might have been Barbara who brought it up that Joko once said that Zazen um, is gruesome. That that was right, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some of Joko's famous words. Seeing is gruesome, or seeing practice is gruesome. What do you mean by that? Let's have a look at it more closely. Also, as a way of segueing into this as well, um, Peter Waltz gave me a, a book to read today, which is on called um, Polyvagal Theory, which is a, a a theory of psychotherapy with a biological basis to it, which is becoming very popular, Um, and let me just explain that in very simple terms. It's basically saying we've got three systems, biological systems, that work within us as human beings, and you think of it as a a hierarchy. The top of the hierarchy is when we're calm and healthy and we feel connected to the world and we're connected to other people. and our heart rate is rhythmical, you know, everything's going okay and our digestion is fine and all of that. And then when we're um, threatened by something, there's another system comes into play, which is the, the fight-flight mechanism uh, that gets triggered off where we we run away from danger or we, we fight. And it's not necessarily just on a physical level, it can be on a, an emotional, psychological level from everyday events that, that occur. Whenever we're experiencing much stress or anxiety or irritability, that's some, some form of that fight-flight mechanism being triggered off. And then there's another level below that, which I suppose we would equate with depression, despair, um, helplessness, and so on, where it's like people um, are threatened by something in their life, socially or physically or whatever, and it's like the the fighting and the fl- and the fleeing um, is not getting anywhere. It's not resolving anything, and when that happens over time, people collapse into a kind of despair. Now, we can probably all relate to all three of those at some time in our life, and uh, part of practice is to um, you're actually learning how to cultivate that um, calm regulated state through the samadhi, the calming effect of meditation. And, and you're, examine, you're examining in the midst of that relative calm all of the, the ways the fight-flight mechanism is aroused, you know, and how it's often triggered by, by um, deluded ways of looking at the world you know, where we perceive threat when it's not really there, perhaps, or we exaggerate it and we get caught up in it in our everyday lives. And, and we can witness when we go into the despair, you know, like there's, there's nowhere to go and the, the, se- the sense of helplessness. But all of that is kind of, um, that can be gruesome to look at, right? It can be gruesome just to sit with all of that and be with it. But it's kind of still at a, a psychological level. And there's another kind of gruesomeness that we go into in Zen practice, which you'll more likely come across um, through a sustained practice, like doing a retreat, doing a a session, where you're doing meditation hour after hour, day after day. And that is a kind of um, dark night of the soul experience, as it's described in Christianity. It's sort of a a bleakness. It's kind of like despair, but it's not quite the same. It's kind of like a bleakness. Nothing has any meaning. Nothing has any value. What's the point of doing anything? Right? Even like, what's the point of living could come up. It could be that could be around it as well. But this kind of void of anything being the way it was before. You know, like no no anchor point anywhere and that's described in one of the zen koans which is one of my favorite koans that i keep coming back to that really resonates with me for some reason which is um sozan solitary and destitute where a monk quite a senior monk an experienced monk comes to his teacher and says my name is seize i'm solitary and destitute like a kind of like i'm in a state of dark night of the soul Please give me arms, like please give me some sustenance, some something nourishing. And his teacher says, "Venerable Seze and Szeze replies immediately, "Yes, yes, teacher." Like it's right, right there, responding. And then the teacher says, rather poetically, these lovely lines. You've already drunk three cups of the finest wine in China and still you say that you've not moistened your lips mm-hmm. and uh, that's a Cohen point that we come to uh, but he uh, he he was nurturing the monk in his own way but that's just a way of introduction to saying that you do Zen practice and there's other there's this other kind of gruesome place that you can get to where it's all kind of Feels meaningless, you know, no values like nihilism. I guess would be a way of describing it. Um, now, just to describe the territory, that that this is a an experience which is not necessarily the same as that kind of despair that you get that I talked about before, where it's kind of a a helplessness and you're kind of drowning in depression. It's kind of like depression, but it's not depression. Because with it's kind of like you're in this calm state. You've created the calm through the samadhi practice and the calm and the you know the the deepening of um, meditation. And yet at the same time, there's this total meaninglessness to everything that you do. And it's a very important state. It's important not to 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 pathologize that state. It's kind of a a, a rich state to be in, an important state to be in. That's why in my words earlier tonight, I said, you know, it's not about being clever or gaining anything. It's kind of that poverty of of, of spirit, you know, where there's nothing to attain. It is often the turning point in practice. It's the place where you mature, if you stay with it and you understand it. And if you ever experience that, The advice that's usually given across, you know, Christian retreats and Buddhist retreats, stay in touch with people, stay in touch with other people who are practicing with you, and stay in touch with a teacher. In other words, stay socially connected when that's happening. Don't don't isolate yourself, um, because it's through that connection that you can get enriched and supported in going through it. But where Zen as a practice is so radically different from anything else we do in our life is that we're always trying to get something out of what we're doing. School, education, work, relationships, whatever it might be, we're always trying to get something out of it. But what is at the core of Zen practice is there's nothing to get, truly. I'm. I'm I can't say it more clearly than that. You know, there is nothing to get, and yet, in the back of their mind, we go, "Oh yeah, but I'll, I'll get that." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but really, there's nothing to get, and it's when that's the poverty the poverty of spirit, you know, that we we reach. The more we practice, we realise there's nowhere to go to get something. There's there's no there's no point trying to be a a different me, a different Jeff, right? Um, it's not something, some insight that I've got to get, and then everything is going to be transformed. It kind of doesn't, it kind of doesn't work like that. What really works is is seeing much more clearly into this poverty of spirit. There is there is nothing to attain. There is nothing to get, and it's it's when we see that at its most clearest, you know. Um, that we're freer in our life, because if you realise there's nothing to get, then all your energy goes into playing with the fact that there's nothing to get, right? Rather than struggling, you know, struggling to get somewhere. You know? As I've said in previous talks, all struggling to get somewhere is, is all caught up in status, you know? and. There's many different strands to status. you know who's the most beautiful? Who's the most clever? Who's the most intelligent? Who's the most popular? But the other one is, who's the most spiritually advanced? What a nonsense. Mm -hmm. The most spiritually advanced is the dumbest, right? Um, So it's that constant dropping away, dropping away, dropping away, dropping away. I've mentioned this before, but it's worthwhile mentioning again just in terms of personal experience. Um, it hasn't happened for a while now, but a while, a while ago, going back like five years, maybe ten years in session, it would be my experience that on the first day of a retreat, um, I'd feel relaxed and quite happy and glad that all of the busyness of getting there and organising everything um, is over and I can I can just sit there you know and do do nothing so that would happen the first day and then the second day some of this bleakness some of this kind of nihilism would like creep in and be like a taste of it there through the day um, and in this sense of I'm sure all of you can relate to this like what did I come here for like like why am I doing this like why didn't I go to the beach um, why didn't I just work and make more money? You know? um, this kind of pointlessness comes up, and it, it does have a bleak kind of flavor to it. And I can be present to that. I know it. I'm not freaked out by it. and familiar with the territory. And then what ha- would happen on the third day is that it was the same experience of life. Everything is meaningless, and there's no point in doing anything, and it, and it, and it was all very, very funny. <laughs> Right? It's like the same experience, but it became very, very absurdly funny, like Monty Python-esque almost, you know, and and like absurd, you know, and then, and then from there, from there on in, in the session, it's kind of like this bubbling sense of playfulness actually comes out, but it came from the same point. It came from the same point, you know, only something as, as soon as you're comfortable with that, and you're not trying to escape from it and look for something, that's that's where the the turning point comes in your practice. So it's important to to know the territory, like to have a, a road map of understanding these things when they come up. So instead of misunderstanding it, you you can understand it. You can you can um, know that other people travel down this path before you and come out the other side.